enjoy the show. Beaming at you from the depths of the internet. This is the Temple of Geek Podcast, your one stop for all things geek. All things geek. Welcome to the Temple of Geek Podcast. My name is Monica, and I will be your host as we discuss problematic fandoms and the importance of diversity and inclusion. We will be discussing the controversial comments made by and the author of one of the biggest pop culture fandoms and the controversy around many of our favorite fandoms in light of the Black Lives Matter movement. If this is your first time tuning in to the Temple Geek Podcast, welcome. This podcast has been around since 2012 and is hosted by a variety of geeks. Here we cover all manner of geek and pop culture news and events. With me today is Dana. Welcome to the podcast, Dana. Can you say hello and introduce yourself to our audience? Hello. So my name is Dana. I am a Temple of Geek uh, content writer. Uh, I'm a huge fan of Harry Potter, Doctor Who, Critical Role, like all of the fandoms. It's an extensive list. Well, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Um, So you and I have talked off the air a lot uh, about some of this stuff. So I'm excited to talk to you about this stuff on the podcast today. The Black Lives Matter movement has exploded all over the world in a really, really incredible way. It is to date the largest civil rights movement in history. And it's something that originated in the United States in risk. And then now because of the COVID-19 pandemic and the the brutal murder of George Floyd in New York, it's really opened the world's eyes to the injustices that are out there. Both those outright injustices and also more of the subtle injustices of systematic racism, for example. And it's also uh, opened our eyes to many of the problematic issues in some of our most beloved fandoms. Yes. So first of all, Dana, how are you? Uh, I am good. I'm doing well. Um, just have the day off today. So I thought I'd record a podcast with you. <laughs> Excellent. So how has this pandemic and this civil rights movement affected your life? What's it like for you in Toronto right now? Um. So... You know, during the pandemic, um, I was still working from home. Uh, I found out about uh, George Floyd um, while working from home, and I was absolutely devastated by it, um, as you are when you hear about these things and completely disgusted. And I didn't realize that it would turn into such a big thing the thing that it did I mean of course you always see like an upsurge in like black pride when things like this happen but I didn't expect it to become this entire like movement like not with the force that it that it's become right now and um, when I was called back to work we had to shut down I think it was the first or second weekend that I started back because of the Black Lives Matter movement and the protests going downtown, uh, happening downtown in Toronto. So, yeah, it's it's completely insane. So did they did you shut down at work because of fear of stuff happening to buildings or things like that or because just to stay out of the way type of thing? Um, both. Both. Uh, 
the day before because the the protests were scheduled for the Saturday if I'm not mistaken Saturday and Sunday so on the Friday um, I was working I think like 11 to 7 and everywhere in the neighborhood I work I worked in a neighborhood called Yorkville in Toronto it's one of the higher end uh, neighborhoods and they were covering everything with um what is it like not cardboard but you know what I'm talking about like wood they were covering yeah. like, like the windows with like planks and everything like every everything and so they anticipated like riots or you know property damage yeah they were anticipating like it, it to get violent but it didn't it didn't yeah so yeah I've seen a, a lot of that where people anticipated a lot of things like that and it turned out to be nothing everything was fine (laughs) yeah um in particular I think the reason why they were on high alert was there was a rumor going on that some people from not from the Black Lives Matter movement in Montreal but people that just wanted to incite a riot from Montreal were gonna come right we're gonna come down to Toronto and start trouble so that's why they were on such high alert yeah Okay, I understand. And since since then, um, what has your work life been like? It's gone back to normal, pretty much. I've I was only at that location temporarily, and then I've I've gone back to my home location. But uh, you know, while I was down there at the height of like the Black Lives Matter movement um, after George Floyd's death, you know, I did have some 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 guests that were a little bit um i want to say like irked or inconvenienced because of some of the protests that were happening during happening during the week and they were saying you know i can't understand why these people are protesting and you know <laughs> when you're at work you you got to hold your tongue <laughs> you can't say what you're thinking so it's just one of those things well it's all right have a great day Please take your stuff in. That's so hard for you because um, as a black woman, you want to be out there protesting, I would imagine. Oh, yeah. You know, kind of, you know, standing up for for yourself and for others and to have to sit there and just kind of smile and not. Yeah, I can't imagine that's easy for you. (laughs) No, not not on even like the best of days. But, you know, you catch me on a bad day and you say something like that. It, you know, I really wanted to throw hands, but I had to walk away. So, you know, just serve the person and left. Um, but, you know, I, I did really I did want to go downtown and protest. I really did, um, you know, but I have an overprotective parent that I still unfortunately live with and she was like absolutely not you cannot go downtown you don't know what's gonna happen so really my form of protest has been Twitter and just doing what I can and sharing links and just I mean it feels like such a tiny thing but it's uh, not though you know it, it feels like it is but I every little bit helps I guess you know Yeah, absolutely. Every little bit helps. And not everybody has the ability to protest. And some people have responsibilities and jobs that they can't, you know, not go to. And so, you know, I don't think you should feel guilt about that. (laughs) Um, But I can understand how stressful it is wanting to be out there 
and then but also appeasing parents and employers and things like that what do you do to cope with all of this fandoms um <laughs> like escapism is my favorite thing right now you know i write a lot um and i've been watching a lot of critical role that i mean that happened right when we started um quarantine i started watching it and i've literally fallen down the rabbit hole so <laughs> it's a problem but usually you know reading lots of books um going back and watching like favorite episodes of doctor who has helped a lot you know and just generally kind of escaping on twitter i know a lot of people find twitter to be like a toxic environment but it's not for me i feel like that's a very unique perspective to have but it's not <laughs> I I have the same experience on Twitter that you do. I've been really fortunate that it's been a really great experience for me. But also, I'm the queen of muting people and uh, unfollowing yes. people. And yes. I'm very careful about like who I let into my Twitter world and who I follow and what I see. I try to be really focused about it. And so I've had a really great experience with Twitter. I agree. Like I, I heavily, I heavily curate uh, the people that I follow, and you know, sometimes blo the block button is your best friend, and the mute button is your best friend, and it's really, it's for your, for your protection and for your mental health too. You know, like you don't have to apologize for unfollowing a person that is spewing toxic rhetoric. You know what I mean? So. Yeah, it's a it's a good yeah. thing. Yeah, and I've I've found a lot of like like-minded people on Twitter and it's been it's been great. Absolutely. I feel like a lot of the people that I've met on Twitter, I've gone on to meet them in person at conventions, for example, or like um, you know, just in the real world and it's and I've actually had friendships come out of Twitter, so that's always really nice. <laughs> I agree. I mean, that's how we met. I it is. I was literally standing behind you in line to see Christopher Eccleston or to get like his autograph. And I was like, I'm pretty sure that's Mon from Temple of Geek, but I don't want to be that. <laughs> I don't want to be that awkward. What do I do? Okay. And it's so funny her. because I know you through Twitter. Yes. And I'm very familiar with you through Twitter, but <laughs> your icon, your face is like model. a Doctor Who character. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, so it's not you. So I don't know what you look like, <laughs> but as soon as I realized who you were, I was like, oh yeah, I know you. But like, <laughs> well, the it, it, that's the funny thing. It's like, I know everybody by social media handles. Yeah. The first thing you asked me was like, what's your username? <laughs> I'm like a bit meddlesome. I'm like, oh, I know you. I'm like. That's great. And then we commenced standing in line for like three hours. That was a long line. Christopher Eccleson was oh, worth it, though. It was, in totally my opinion. It. it was totally worth it. I wasn't even standing in line for an autograph for myself. It was for a friend. My God, so was I. I think we had this like, discussion while we were in line. Really? But yeah, I wasn't even standing in line for myself. Oh, my God. So, like... You left at one point, didn't you, though? I think you... I don't know if you I got... Don't... Did you get an autograph? Oh, no, I left. I left the autograph line because they capped it. Oh, okay. And they said that it was over and you could 
and you could stay or you could leave. And then on the last night of Galley, Christopher Eccleston said he would stay late to sign autographs. Mm -hmm. And so I got my autograph then. Awesome. I'm so glad you did. Because, I mean, yeah, we, we, Carrie and I stayed in line for the other like two hours and it was, it was a harrowing experience, but it was worth it. it Yeah. Yeah, I actually left the line because I had a picture uh, with Pearl Mackey that I didn't ah. want to miss. <laughs> I mean, that's and I was like, fair. I have to go. <laughs> Priorities. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, fandoms are so important for stress relief. Uh, for me, it's been, you know, a lot of you know, rewatching Parks and Rec right now because that's like my comfort go-to thing when I just don't want to think about anything and I just don't need to pay attention to plot lines or anything and I could just be. <laughs> I tend yeah. to watch a lot of Parks and Rec, um, but because of everything that's going on, I'm like almost scared to watch some of my favorite fandoms because like then when when you become more aware to like the social injustice you start to see it in your yeah. fandoms and the things that you love. Yeah. And so you start nitpicking it. And then I find myself that I don't love it as much as I thought I did. Yeah. Because now it's like, Oh, how can you even, you know, <laughs> how do you justify liking this when it's like so problematic? And so one of the things that's been really hard for me that I have loved forever is Harry Potter. Oh gosh. Yeah. And, um, you know, I just absolutely have been a Harry Potter fan for so long. Mm-hmm. I was an adult when the books came out. So mm-hmm. I used to buy them for my brother and I never read the books or anything like that, but I would buy them for my little brothers. But when the movies came out, it would be a big thing. I would take my brothers and all their friends and we do the midnight showings and, you know, it became this family thing. And then eventually like, it was something that I passed down to my children. Like mm-hmm. when my son turned 11, you know, he got his letter to Hogwarts. We threw him this Aww. huge Harry Potter party. Like, that I is mean, amazing. we just, you know, we do Harry Potter. We do cosplays. We, you know, we, oh, for his oh, birthday wow. party for the Harry Potter one. I actually had yeah. cosplayers come and teach my, all the kids at the party how to play Quidditch. And what? I thought... I bought brooms for every kid at the party. Oh we like, God. I mean, we went all out and like, and we had these cosplayers dressed up head to toe in Quidditch gear, that like just teaching insane. and playing and, and it was wow. really fun. And so this is like a fandom that's really important to me, mm-hmm. but also human rights and the dignity of others is yeah. super important to me. Yeah. And so, with the situation of J.K. Rowling being so controversial, I guess, um, yes, controversial. She's very anti um, the trans community. Yes. And that's very hurtful. And, you know, you just can't ignore those things. And so it's very hard to kind of like say oh I love Harry Potter so much and separate it from the artist who obviously you know is is saying some very cruel mean things it is it's very true like it's you you try to separate like the books from the the writer but 
at the end of the day, they're still the person that wrote it, and it's still their name on the on the bottom of the book, you know. And it for me, like Harry Potter is like such a huge part of my life. Like, I I think that was the first fandom I ever hyper fixated on, <laughs> um, and the first time I really got into reading. Be- because of those books and, and I mean JK Rowling's part of the reason why I want to be an author and to see her spewing such hateful rhetoric on her Twitter and I mean people are calling her out on it but she's not she's choosing not to hear it or she's choosing to um turn double like down on her guy. rhetoric exactly because she's like I'm so right look at all of the people here that are saying that I'm right it's hurtful that somebody with her advantages in life especially now can be so closed-minded like did she not read her own books I, I'm very confused you know I'm very confused about yeah it's um it's it's really upsetting there is an article is. that I will link um into our show notes but the title of the article was how J.K. Rowling became Voldemort and the <laughs> backlash against the Harry Potter creator. And I have that, you know, linked into the show notes if anybody wants to read it. But she wrote this book about, you know, fighting against like bigotry, fighting against this like, you know, evil. And she turned a generation of children into these you know, Harry Potters into these social justice warriors who mm-hmm. are out there. Like she, she opened so many people's eyes to like the struggles of other and how to fight up against evil. Yeah. And then she became the evil. I know. And I mean, and we're here just like confused as to why like somebody like her can say such terrible, like horrible things and not realize it and I had to at one point I can't even remember when exactly I decided to unfollow her I think it may have been like the first time she really started to spew some hate and I was just like I I can't I can't watch you can't watch you do this and I just I hit unfollow and it actually broke my heart to do that and it kind of defined for me that yeah I think I don't want to say like my childhood was over but when I hit unfollow but it it just felt like that connection to my childhood was severed when I hit unfollow. yeah absolutely there was um I think for me on June 6th there was a I mean her previous tweets in December of 2019 when she was uh defending a friend of hers for firing somebody who was, you know, who was trans, Um, she defended them. That was, you know, I heard about that months later. I didn't even know Mm -hmm. about when it happened in December. I heard about it Mm -hmm. months later and I was like, that just seems so weird. Like maybe it's just like blindly fall, like you love your friends so much that you're just, you know, blindly saying whatever to defend them. right? Right. And I just kind of thought like, maybe it's something like that. And I don't know if that's just, my thought process or it was me justifying because I didn't want to see her this way or whatever. But what really just kind of like for me just 
painted a picture, painted her as like kind of like almost like a very immature person was when she tweeted on June 6th about people who menstruate. Uh, there was an article about people who menstruate and she was like, oh, and like mockingly was like, did yeah. you forget that women menstruate? And yeah. I just oh. thought that was like so cruel the way she was mocking it. Yeah. And at that point I was like, wow, like, you know, oh. she's immature and she's cruel about yes. it. And she's not and even trying to hide it. Right, exactly. And then just after that, when, you know, she was, you know, people were trying to cancel her, she wrote an essay (laughs) about uh, why, you know, she's anti-trans and why, you know, cancel culture is toxic. But I, I just, it just screamed immaturity and insensitivity to me. Mm -hmm. And it, it makes you think about a lot of the things that that she's written about in the past um a user and these are things that i'd never thought about before but a user on twitter had pointed out that like you know she wasn't against slavery in harry potter no she wasn't like the house elves. you know the the house elves were all slaves and yep. dobby was freed but they only thought to save dobby because he's the one friend that they had yeah but they, all they, other elves were allowed to kind of just stay slaves yeah they were totally cool with that especially when they went down into like the kitchens and saw that the house elves were working there i mean the only person that really had any concern about it was hermione <laughs> really if you look back at the books and it's it's and super- even then it's probably because you know hermione was on the end of some you know bigotry by being because she was a muggle yeah. or her parents were muggles um you know so yeah. she was uh she didn't get a lot of love to begin with so mm. maybe she yeah i mean she was- with them but yeah yeah i mean not even hair I, I was surprised that like harry wasn't really more against that either especially like with his upbringing and seeing firsthand what it's like to be treated as a second class citizen in your own home like you know so I guess those were alarm bells like right from the off about JK Rowling and her mentality yeah and you know it's subtle things like that that you don't notice but they like now when you look back I'm like why weren't we screaming about this then (laughs) you know like and so i think that that's something wonderful that the that you know the civil rights movement now that's going on has taught us is how to pick out these problematic things there's so many resources going around that help us to kind of like look at all these different things and say hey you know what this is not okay and maybe we should think about this differently or maybe we shouldn't teach this in school anymore for example yeah, like we should be looking at things um, critically, more, much more critically now and um, doing our research. Google is a thing and you should be using it to your advantage all the time. So, uh. Absolutely. And I think it's important to note, too, that, you know, the Harry Potter actors did respond and, you know, a lot of them did respond in support of the trans community. For example, Daniel Radcliffe said, you know, transgender women are women and Mm -hmm. any statement to the contrary erases the identity and the dignity of transgender people. It goes against all advice given by the professional health care associations. 
who have far more expertise on this subject than either Joe, J.K. Rowling, or I do. Wow. uh, He said that that via the Trevor Project. um, Good for him. uh, Which, according to the Trevor Project, 70% of transgender and non-binary youth reported being the subject of discrimination due to their gender identity. It's clear that we need to do more to support transgender and non-binary people and not Mm -hmm. invalidate them. So that was his official response to JK. Yeah, and then Emma Watson said uh, on Twitter, through her personal Twitter, um, trans people are who they they say they are and deserve to live lives without being constantly questioned or told that they aren't who they say they are. So it's, it's really great that we have these, um, you know, these wonderful actors who are standing up for trans rights and for the dignity and respect that, you know, any human should have. Of course. Yeah, it's, it's kind of heartwarming to see it. I'm so I'm happy. To be honest, Um, at least I can go back and watch the movies and be like, hey, you're not you're not an asshole. That's amazing. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And it's just, and it's so difficult because like, you know, as a fan, yeah, I don't feel, I, I love Harry Potter, right? I love the franchise, but now yeah. I don't feel comfortable like purchasing merchandise, right? And oh. it makes me so sad because there are so many Etsy shops, so many independent oh. like people who have built entire companies based around Harry Potter and you think about all the people that put all the work into you know creating like Wizarding World at Universal Studios in Florida and in California and in London and everywhere and it's just like all the museums and exhibits that are set up for this and I'm like it's it must be so hard for them as employees and as creators you gotta think about how much like abuse they probably are going to take from her comments you know how, like they'll probably get something along the lines of like how can you create art or work for a person that supports this this and this you know what I mean like that is I don't think she realizes how far her reach is which is I don't understand how somebody yeah. could be that abuse yeah Wow. It's unfortunate because then you think about like, you know, okay, so she's just a person too, right? She's no saint. Yeah. We, you know, maybe, maybe we held her up as like, you know, we put her on this pedestal that no person should have been on, right? Yeah. Uh, maybe we shouldn't hold celebrities and all of these, you know, people to h- such high standard because moral purity isn't something we're ever going to find in any person you know people are just people yeah but at the same time when you have a platform and you have the social influence that somebody like jk rowling has i mean you have a huge responsibility this is a franchise that sells billions Mm -hmm. it made her the first billionaire author yes in history yes and so I mean, you have a huge responsibility. And I think that, you know, at this point, there's probably so many people just being yes men to her yeah. that that she's just, 
out of touch and maybe tone deaf at this point. Yeah, I think that's sad that, I mean, you, if you are that rich and that famous, you don't want to surround yourself with people that are just going to say yes all the time. You need somebody there to bring you back down to reality and tell you, hey, you know what, maybe this isn't such a good idea or hey, you know, you're getting a lot of backlash and maybe you should do a little bit of research and maybe just like take a step back and not say anything until you have like I feel like the essay that she wrote was such a knee-jerk reaction to all the black backlash right. she was getting. So I mean, you need somebody in your corner to say, "Hey, this is not a good idea." But you should also have a head on. And your she shoulder. could have, yeah, yeah, absolutely. And at the very least, she could have just taken her time. Yeah, she could have just waited and see what you know what the comments have been, and yeah. you know. And just go from there, maybe take the time to cool down before just, you know, writing that essay she did. But Um, to be fair, she was saying this stuff in December, and now we're in July. So, you know. It does come from a place of arrogance, I would say. You know. Absolutely. Yeah. And I, I don't, I'm not quite clear as to why this wasn't a big deal in December versus now. Right. Like, I, it went out, Mm -hmm. and, like, apparently people knew about it, but I did not know about it until um, somebody from, you know, a trans friend of mine, a woman, she told me about it in February. Oh. And I was like, like, I had no idea what they were talking about. I was like, what? Like, what do you mean? (laughs) And so... After that, it was just like, wow, like, I can't even enjoy Harry Potter anymore because my friend has been hurt by this, you know? And so it's just like, ah, like, like, you know, and then the more they double down on it, it's just like, okay, you know what? Like, this person is evil. Yeah, and it's so cringy. It's so cringy, the fact that she doubled down. I just, I... You know, at that point, like I had unfollowed her and all the rage I was seeing on my Twitter, I was like, oh, Jesus, like, yeah, you, you really went in all guns blazing. Okay, well, at least we know firmly where you stand now. So, I mean, I, I'm not yeah. a proponent of cancel culture, but oh boy, she's going to feel it. And for me, when it comes to cancel culture, I really believe in, obviously, nobody's perfect and people are always going to make mistakes. Mm -hmm. But, you know, the idea of calling somebody out, I don't have a problem with, like, people should be called out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, they have the choice of either, like, you know what, saying, you know what, I was wrong and I'm going to do better and I'm going to do the work Mm-hmm. that it takes to be better, research, read, reflect, whatever it is that you need to do, maybe some therapy, I don't know, depending on the situation. <laughs> yep. And then say, you know what, I'm going to do better from was this moment on going forward, you know? Yeah. yeah. And, yeah. Um, but this has not been the case for JK Rowling. It just has not. Nope. So at this no. point, you're only left with just 
you know what, I'm not going to support you with my dollars anymore. No, exactly. And any book going forward, I'm, I'm sorry, like, I'm not I'm not going to purchase any of her books going forward, no matter how greatly they are reviewed, any of the merchandise from Harry Potter. Sorry, I'm not going to support that either. And I think there's another one of the what is it the Fantastic Beast movies coming out? Or there should be. I was already having a really hard time with those movies. Yeah. Like, so I'm not too disappointed about those. There was this whole thing with, you know, Queenie. Yeah. And her, what Sorry. I saw was, is like her, yeah, her, well, the way that she treated, um, and I can't remember his name now, but the man she's in love with that she oh, like convinces Jacob. to, um, Jacob, thank you. Yeah. Um, you know, she convinces, she puts him under a spell, and I'm like, you basically date raped the man. Yes, yeah. Oh like my- he said, he. It's not that he didn't love you. He mm-hmm. said, I don't want to be with you, and gave valid reasons for not wanting to be with you. And then you put him under a spell and forced him, and I was like, that is so rapey. And yeah. like, I left the movie theaters like, that's not okay. Yeah. Yeah. And then, like, she has this meltdown at the end when she's like, Jacob, come with me. And I'm like, no, like, like, what she's doing is wrong. And yeah, no wonder she went with the bad guy. <laughs> like, I get it. She's bad. Like, and was, and I wanted to love her. I wanted to love her because I loved her in the first one. And yeah. And it was, and the it was, thing, it was almost like it was two completely different characters. Cause I was like, where absolutely. did it come from? with queenie and so i don't know if this is like what we're seeing in people now where like you know if they're nice and just whatever kind of average people and then all of a sudden if you get pressed and you don't get what you want you start like you know basically being entitled like i'm gonna get what i want when i want it regardless i don't know the whole queenie thing just like really upset me i left out of there and like i felt like she like super violated him and nobody said anything yeah i completely agree i left that movie being completely just um disappointed with it because the movie had potential but then you like even my friend like I was sitting next to her and she was just like did did Queenie put Jacob under a spell so that he would stay I'm like yeah and she was just like that's gross and we were both yeah super uncomfortable the entire time like you and they painted as like oh I just love him so much and I'm like do you love him because you did not respect his wishes oh you did not respect like you know his privacy you took him to another country yeah <laughs> you, you essentially kidnapped him yeah oh oh that's terrible that's terrible yeah so i don't yeah that whole thing i was like okay i that this one could just end here i'm not like interested <laughs> <laughs> i'm so, yeah i'm good i'm good with just like the first fantastic beast movie and that's enough <laughs> But even that, that, yeah, I'm like, oh, remember that one offshoot? <laughs> yeah. And then talking about also, you know, things that, you know, can be considered problematic. So, you know, when the Disney Plus made their announcement that Hamilton was going to come out, yeah. um, I was thrilled and <laughs> I was excited. Yep. And I think that I did not realize that, like, 
so I had never seen Hamilton in on Broadway or anything like that. I didn't see it when it was touring, but I had memorized every song from listening to the soundtrack yes. nonstop. <laughs> see what I did there? I see what you did there. <laughs> um, so, so you know, I was listening to Hamilton nonstop. Just you know, my kid, who I think four years ago when it came out, my kid was like five or something. Mm-hmm. So you know, he's seeing it on Disney Plus for the first time. But he has all the songs memorized and, you know, everything. So we're really obsessed with it. And we're really super excited about it coming out. And when they first announced it, it was like, yay, you know, we're finally going to get to see it. Mm -hmm. Um, But also everybody got to see it. So people who had never heard of Hamilton, who had no, like, experience with it before are looking at it much more objectively now because they're seeing yes. it with the eyes of just, you know, the social justice movement, which is not a way that I had originally looked at it because I just was very excited about Hamilton. Um, the fact that it was, well, at least for me, like I was excited that, you know, Lynn manuel Miranda, who, you know, is Puerto Rican, introduced theater to like rap and made it normal and acceptable introduced it to like brought hip-hop in in a way that like I had never seen before Mm -hmm. you know it won 11 uh Tony awards it won a Grammy award an Oliver award it won a Pulitzer wow as far as art go as you know as far as art goes I thought it was fantastic lyrically I thought it was amazing and it was just so refreshing to see like this amazing diverse cast on stage, you know, and, and it was just so beautifully done. Yeah. And so, but there has been now that, you know, we have opened our eyes to, you know, a lot of, you know, I guess social justice issues there, there's a lot to critique about Hamilton. Yep. Unfortunately. Yes. But I mean, every piece of art is, open to criticism and Hamilton is no exception, you know? So uh, for example, like George Washington being romanticized a little bit, I have an issue with that and, you know, Jefferson as well, but at the same time to have these, um, you know, have people of color playing these roles. I think this, it's probably the biggest F you to, the, the founding to those fathers. actual people right yeah to the founding fathers I just you know the idea of Thomas Jefferson being played by a black man is hilarious to me so I was poetic I, <laughs> I agree um but yes I, I see where you're coming from it you know we could poke holes in in everything but yeah I I definitely see what you're saying yeah, and I'll read a tweet that Tracy Clayton um, put up on Twitter a while back that Lynn Miranda, Lynn Manuel Miranda, responded to. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tracy states, "I'm late to the party with the Hamilton criticism stuff, and I'm clearly biased, but I really like that this conversation is happening. Mm-hmm. Hamilton, the play, and the movie were given to us in two different worlds, and our willingness to integrate uh, things in this way feels like a clear sign of change." And then uh, Lin-Manuel Miranda commented and said, you know, I appreciate this so much. All the criticisms are valid. The sheer tonage of complexities and failings of these people, I couldn't get. 
or I wrestled with, but cut. It took me six years and I fit as much as I could into a two and a half hour musical. I did my best, but it's all fair game. I mean, he's not wrong. I mean, he couldn't, he couldn't fit everything in. It is questionable that he didn't put some of their failings in the play more prominently yeah yes yeah like i mean there are like little subtle things that they hint towards but he could have he could he could have put more please don't yeah. tweet me when <laughs> <laughs> but yeah <laughs> it, it's and that's the thing like you're never gonna find perfection in anything and i don't expect that but it is very interesting like they said that these conversations are happening and it is a sign of change and i hope that going forward this means that you know we're gonna see a much more sensitive and a much more kinder look at the world when they're casting or writing about you know people of color or you know people in history for example and that we're not whitewashing history and that we're not demonizing people of color no i completely agree and you know i think that starts with with education and um i think uh, one of the problems is especially now is that a lot of people think that black history starts with slavery and it doesn't and that's a byproduct of, you know, a whitewashed uh, history. So you're having to, to, you're having a lot of adults and a lot of kids having to unlearn so much systemic racism. It's, it's going to take a while for, for um, things to change. I mean, nothing's going to happen overnight, but we, you know, we do, we have to act like we're running out of time. I would say. I see what you did there. (laughs) (laughs) Couldn't help it. Couldn't help it. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this is why diversity and inclusion is so important. Like having people tell their own stories is, you know, I think that's where we really start when it comes to Hollywood and theater and and things like that. For example, the movie The Green Book, right? Yeah. The Green Book wasn't even about the actual Green Book, and it wasn't told by people of color. And from their perspective, it was told from a perspective of a white man. Yeah. And and like things like that. Had there been more people of color in Hollywood, in executive positions and producer positions who are sitting in the writers' rooms, who are sitting here making decisions and, you know, telling their stories, Mm -hmm. a lot of these insensitivities and a lot of these injustices could be avoided. And, you know, um, for people of color, like, you can't even escape racism in your own home because if you turn on the television, there's this, like, subtle racism hitting you, yeah. you know, as soon as you turn on the TV. And so creators have really important roles to play when it comes to, you know, um, ending racism and becoming anti-racist. Yeah. They can tell stories that, you know, that people can watch and say oh okay like you know it black people are not always the thug in a movie they can be anything 
you know what I mean? You know, even things like, for example, like, I, I do love this movie, but hidden figures and movies like The Help, like, it's always like a white savior. There's always like a white savior in movies like that. And it's so it's so frustrating, because these are our stories, and they're being told through the lens of somebody that doesn't really or doesn't understand at all what it's like to live in this type of society and be a second class citizen. So the fact that we have like the Black Lives Matter movement now and it's amplifying black voices and giving people a shot is is amazing to me. And you know, like you know, at the height of the Black Lives Matter movement, I think it was a month ago, like on Twitter, there were people reaching out saying, hey, are you a, a you know, are you a writer? Are you a photographer? Are you, um, you know, a podcaster? Like, we want to hear from you. And I think it's, it's an amazing, like, tra- tra- I can't speak, chain reaction that's happened. Yeah, absolutely. And I hope it doesn't stop. Because you, like you mentioned, at the height of it, you yeah. know, so I hope that this, this is not just like a wave that crashes, but something that just keeps moving and moving and is steady ahead. And, you know, at least I hope that we do get to see a lot more people in executive positions telling their stories and making these decisions about, you know, what is being put out there. Yeah, I agree. I hope that, you know, this train doesn't stop and that, you know, it's it always seems to me that there's a pattern of, you know, when Trayvon was murdered, when Eric Garner was murdered, George Floyd. And that's not even to touch upon all the women of color that have been killed at the hands of police. There's always like a height, like it peaks and then interest slopes off again. And I I mean, I'm seeing it now, like even with George Floyd and Breonna Taylor, like the, the conversation is, it's still happening, but it's not happening with the same like rush of adrenaline. Veracity. Exactly. That, that was existent last month. And it's just a little bit disappointing because what is it going to take for this conversation to stay at the forefront? You know what I mean? Okay, we we got we got George Floyd's um, you know murderers arrested. That's great, but what about Breonna Taylor's? You know, right? Where is the so. accountability, and when when is that coming? If it comes, we don't know. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Well, <sighs> I think that that is a. I think that's a good spot to end the conversation for today. Um, do you have any last thoughts, Dana, on before we sign off? I do. Um, be kind. Um, love is love. And um, as the doctor would say, run fast and run fast. Be kind. I can't remember what the quote is, but generally just be kind to everyone. It costs nothing. So that's going to wrap up this episode of the Temple of Geek podcast. We want to thank everyone who tuned in and listened today, and especially our guest, Dana, for being with us today. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to hit us up on Facebook or Twitter by using the handle Temple of Geek. 
If you want to check out some of our other episodes or shows, why don't you head on over to templeofgeek.com. There you will find all sorts of content that pertains to the world of geek. My name is Monica, and thank you for tuning in. Please follow us on Twitter at Temple of Geek. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash templeofgeek. And remember to visit templeofgeek.com. Your one stop for all things geek. Goodbye. This will conclude our transmission.